Hi, I'm Hope. And I'm Adam, standing in for Rajiv. And this is the African Pre-Seed Podcast. As always, if you're a founder or investor keen on learning more about the African tech ecosystem, we've got you covered. That's right. In this episode, we talk about all things media within the African VC ecosystem. The media in the form of online reporting, social media, and even traditional media play a vital role in shaping the African tech ecosystem narrative. Startups rely hugely on the goodwill media coverage creates, helping founders hone their message, value proposition, and ultimately garner investor attention. One man who lives on both sides of the media ecosystem fence is Tomiwa Alerikomo, founder and CEO of Big Cabal Media, publisher of one of our favorites, Tech Cabal and Zikoko. Tamiwa, welcome to the African Pre-Seed Podcast. As a journalist, former journalist, more accurately, very, we are both very excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Just before we get into the meat of our discussion, we're going to play a quick game called... Rate this, rate this, rate this, rate this. Tamiwa, we're going to tease your athletic work history by naming six things that will each take turns rating on a scale of one to five, with one being mm, meh and five being fantastic. Are you ready to play with us? Let's go. I love it. Cool. The first one is physical books. I want to break the scale and say six, but I'll just say five. I love okay. physical books. I'm also on the high <laughs> end. I love a good read. I think nothing beats just having a you know, your book on the bedside and some coffee. So also on the five. Mm, the hug of literature. Let's move on to number two, a non-alcoholic beer. Oh, that's a one. <laughs> Why does that even exist? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I used to sell beer for a living. So, you know, the sanctity of a good beer is is, is important to me. <laughs> this is why we're asking you. We, we know, we know this. Thanks. Good job. <laughs> cool. It's been quite topical, probably for the past month, week on week. Chat GPT? I think that's a five. I think that's really exciting technology. I'm looking forward to where it takes us. Oh, wow. We'd be keen on your thoughts on how you think it can disrupt the space that you particularly work in, but also five from I mean, my yeah. perspective. It's going to make us miserable, I know, but you know, <laughs> but, it's, but it is like magic. And I, I think the thing that's special about it is, you know, when technology actually is special, it actually changes things meaningfully. Yeah. This changes things meaningfully. And, you know, I think after some of the things that we've called technology in the last few years, yeah, I'm excited about something that is magical. Uh, it is magical. I'll give it a four with some slight reservations. <laughs> I'm a little bit old I mean, school. the reservations are, are valid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, speaking of reservations, we'll talk about four. That's Bitcoin post SBF. <sighs> I'm going to give Bitcoin a two, maybe. I'm not a believer. I'm not a big crypto guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Just okay. across board. Yeah, it's not my technology. Okay. For me, it's on the yeah. high end, like a four, but for blockchain, not Bitcoin, but particularly the underlying technology. I think I'm still quite bullish on it. Music streaming? That's a five. That's a solid five. I, I mean, yeah, I'm all in on music streaming. I love Spotify. What are you currently listening you know. to at the uh, moment? Ooh, what am I listening to at the moment? I went back to Adikunle's Gold's album this morning. I'm um, all in on Ashake, like everybody in Nigeria. He's amazing. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't heard him, check him out. Uh, who else am I all in on? I didn't know yeah, Ashake. I'm a, I'm a hip hop guy, so there's always lots of old Jay Z and sort of you know Rick Ross and stuff on there as well. So yeah. Cool. And then lastly, six. Okay, I'm a bit down in this. It makes no sense to me because in my <laughs> mind, it's a paradox, but video podcasts. I like a video podcast. I'm going to give that a four. 
also yeah. like video yeah. podcasts. Um, yeah. Maybe in future, you never know. M- maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll move it to we'll, we'll move it to the next era. But uh, thanks to me, that, that was great. But now that our minds are focused and ready to go, I guess our first question is: What's your favorite African tech success story of 2022? I think the push into digitization of informal markets. I think really like got a nice bump in 2022 and I think that was really important. And so everything from sort of like payment systems uh, with companies like a money point or now money point, which used to be team apt and companies like Sabi, you know, sort of really pushing into the markets. I think that that's a really important fundamental change in the way our economies operate and to see it sort of like really start to move. And I mean, it's been several years of work on that space, but I thought there were significant milestones last year, significant progress in those spaces. We did a, uh, we do a Future of Commerce conference annually, and we had one in September. And so the sort of informal market was a big focus in there. And so I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was really positive for the continent. Yeah, after joining the conference online for a couple of years, it was super exciting just to be there in Lagos. And to your point, I think just really unpacking the informal market, which is the big opportunity on the continent, right? But there's so many ways to slice and dice it. So I fully agree with that. And I think it's quite an exciting opportunity. But what ecosystem issue do you think should have gotten more coverage last year and why? I mean, I hope we got them all. (laughs) It's our responsibility to. Let me think. It's an interesting one. It's a tricky one. I think we have a responsibility to continue exploring sort of the edges in terms of who's doing interesting work in unexplored spaces. And so what I'm always looking for and what I hope to see more of this year are entrepreneurs who are pursuing interesting edge opportunities, interesting edge technology uses that fundamentally change our markets, that fundamentally change lives on the continent. And so, yeah, I don't know if that sufficiently answers the question, but that's the space where I want to see more coverage. I hope our reporters will be more daring in finding people who are doing interesting things and that you know investors will follow those people and markets will follow those people. Yeah, I think that's what is, I'd like to see a lot more of, or more coverage of. Mm -hmm. Even in online media, you only have so much space to publish work. Do you have a definition of interesting that you used as the guiding star for your team to investigate because there's so much going on in in, in the market? So it's things that have the potential to really change things. Mm. There's an interesting paradox in that. So you want to look for interesting early things. But similar to VC, it means that you're, in a sense, investing and investing your time and your your bandwidth on the page in early bets, some of which will go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, one of the things we joke about is that we're a bit of a graveyard for brilliant ideas that just <laughs> never went anywhere. But what is interesting, there's a what, who, and why that reporters, you know, frequently follow. What is, what is this person doing? Why does it matter? Who's doing it? You know, what qualifies them to change the world or to change the way technology operates or markets operate or people's lives operate? And so you're always chasing that. What's interesting about what it is they're doing? What impact might it have? Why is it interesting? You know, how might it change the world? And then who's the person who's doing this? Are they, do they have the chops? Do they have the domain expertise? Do they have the scope to actually have the impact that they say they're going to have? So those are the things that I 
personally tend to look at, look for in terms of what's interesting and what you know we should be paying attention to. Mm. Well, I guess if we're, if we're talking about interesting going broader, coming into 2022, the sense was, can Africa back the VC funding downturn that was sweeping other markets? And indeed, even taking into account broader events around the world, it seems to have done so. Does that surprise you? No. I, well, actually, maybe I'll disagree with your question a little bit because, yes, we bucked it in 2022. I think the numbers in 2022 were up year on year. And overall, it was a good year for us. I think 2023 is going to be a lot uglier. And I think as the reason for that is that as a market, we tend to be a bit of a step behind other markets. And so it's coming a little bit late to Africa. I don't like to predict negatively, but everything I've seen and heard in terms of what's happening in terms of funding rounds, in terms of like the enthusiasm of investors does show sort of a bit more conservatism and a bit more of a pullback for this year. So my sense is we'll come to it a little bit late. And yeah, I think that, that that's my sense. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I have to I have to agree with that sentiment because I think there's also a couple of macro issues that continue to affect I guess the context that startups are operating in, right? So I think even yep. just proving the numbers that would I guess counter against the down round becomes a lot more challenging just because Absolutely. everything that's happening globally and I think we feel it on ground, which is quite an interesting change from other years. But yes, please, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's quite interesting because I think when you talk about the way your team looks at picking up sort of interesting stories, and I think that's something that you've successfully done within Tech Cabal. But media businesses more broadly are tough nuts to crack, right? So imagine when you're starting Big Cabal Media, it's not necessarily the full complete picture that you had of the success that you guys have been able to achieve. But what led you to the founding of Big Cabal Media? What was the opportunity that you were trying to pursue and what really drew you to it? So an interesting thing is I was not the founder of Big Cabal Media. I joined a CEO about four years into the business's existence. Okay. And I took over from two gentlemen by the name of Bankole Femi and Shay Taylor. But I joined the business because, actually I took over from Shay. Um, he was the founding CEO, so I took over as CEO. And Bankole stayed in the business and worked with me for a couple more years before he stepped out. But I thought, brilliant founders. I loved the publications. I'd been following them before I joined, but Techabal and Zikoko existed before I joined the business. But as with like all startups, you know, it, it struggled to make money, to figure out sort of like commercialization and to grow. And at the time, Shay reached out to me, you know, he asked me to come join and help them with BizDev. And then we kind of, the conversation went on and on and on until it was like, look, do you want to take a stab at actually running this thing and building it into what it could be? And I thought that was a brilliant opportunity. I've been a media guy and a marketing guy my entire career. And uh, just before Big Cabal, I helped a newspaper in Nigeria called The Guardian build out their entire digital stack. So we did their commercialization, we built their website, we did the social media strategy and the online strategy. And it was a brilliant introduction to digital publishing. And uh, I learned a lot, but I also kind of saw the limitations of working with the legacy newspaper and sort of their legacy content stack, their legacy processes, you know, massive offices all over, printing presses all over the country. And uh, when the big cabal opportunity came, it was the chance to take everything I'd learned doing that and apply it to two publications that I thought were incredible, had a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to really have an impact. So at Big Cabal, we say we are telling Africa stories to the world. We're telling the stories that matter. And our goal is to shape the way Africans see themselves and the rest of the world sees Africa. 
And um, we do that by sort of highlighting the stories we think matter, by telling those stories as well as anybody in the world tells any stories. And um, in doing so, we, we hope we're building a truly influential global media business, a media business that will have global reach and impact and um, will really change the way Africa is viewed across the world. Mm, I think, yeah. I think as Hope noted, we're big fans of Tech Cabal, just the work and the coverage and the breadth of coverage Tech Cabal does is up there with the very best. Thank you. I mean, you've probably heard the term maybe caviar, caviar content. The high, the high quality content that you put out, the greater value that the market puts on it, and more people willing to pay for it, read it, and consume it. And that just seems to be what Tech Cabal is getting right through the quality of the journalism that it puts out, which makes me wonder about your media diet. I'd love to know about it. What are you reading? What are you watching? And uh, you've kind of told us what you're listening to right now, but maybe beyond, beyond streaming. What's really happening for you to me from the media side? Okay, I am a big science fiction fan. So from a reading perspective, actually lately I've been going back to some old science fiction. Uh, I'm a big like Robert Heinlein fan and Asimov, etc. So I've been reading a bit of that. On the business end, I'm reading... As always, you know, some some stuff around um, startups and business and how to go. It's called Startup Physics, I think is the book I'm reading right now. Yeah, I, I can't remember. But there's always sort of a few media books uh, or a few business books in the mix at any given point. In terms of what I'm watching, I just started White Lotus, which a certain portion of Twitter has been talking about quite a bit and I think has been doing quite well in the award season. So I've just started that. And I recently watched again, like the science fiction geek I am, a show called The Peripheral, which I think is Apple TV, which is incredible. Highly recommend. What am I listening to? I listen to a lot of media podcasts. So Recode Media by Peter Kafka. I recently the Digiday podcast. I listen to, I think most of the Recode portfolio I listen to as well. And then, um, yeah, I think the music I've already talked about. And that's the majority of it at the moment. Beyond that, of course, I pay attention to what's happening in African media. And so, you know, everything from what the guys at Native are putting out to a number of competing publications, which I will not mention, but, you know, I've got to pay attention to. <laughs> uh, no which, I, which I've got to pay attention to. And then, I mean, just from uh, feeding the work we do, you know, I'm reading Bloomberg, I'm reading the information, I'm reading you know, yeah. a, a fair bit of those just to understand what's happening in the business world and what's happening in media in ways that are interesting to us and useful to us. Yeah. But I like that you have a better staple than I do, because as much as I try to stay away from everything tech and startups, I always end up watching shows and news articles just about tech. So I think I love the diversity in what you're consuming. And just to follow up on that, you know, I think something that Tech Capel did interestingly last year was start to diversify the positioning of the type of stories, right? So a lot of it initially was fundraising rounds, profiling founders. And last year, for the first time, you would actually talk about governance issues, right? Yeah. And really profiling, how do you focus on businesses that return to fundamentals, that have solid governance? And there was some kind of, you know, talk about what is the role of media in sort of the relationship it has with founders? What are your thoughts on this in terms of what should the relationship be between the African tech ecosystem media and African founders? And how do you see this evolving over the next couple of years? You know, someone a lot smarter than me kind of talked about sort of like the eras of media coverage of technology. And it's we started out with sort of, you know, the hurrah being big boosters and supporters of the ecosystem, you know, like everything fundraise, everything new company, hurrah, like, let's go. 
And it's evolved into sort of like a stage of maturity where the funding rounds got a lot larger. And we started talking about like, what are these businesses? What are they doing? What are the details? Because if you go back to the beginning of TechCabal, everything was nascent. Everything was like these small companies doing these small rounds, interesting ideas. And then you got to a place where there were big businesses. And we've kind of gotten to the age of accountability now. Funding's getting a bit tighter and these companies have raised huge amounts of money. And then you want to know, well, really, how well are they running? How well are the built companies that they're being built? We started to get exits. So you're now not just, you know, there was a brilliant article a few years ago, where are the exits? We started to see some of the exits. So you have to ask, well, what are the companies that are being built? How well are they being run? You know, how are they treating their people, et cetera. So we are a little bit in an age where there's a bit more accountability required, and we've come into that into that phase. I think all the errors still compress in that there's still a role for boosterism and, you know, shouting about the best companies that are coming out and being excited about new technologies or new applications of technology. And within our DNA as a business, we say we are fundamentally optimistic about the role of technology on the continent and how it will change the lives of people. So we are fundamentally excited about technology. For us, it is important that the tech ecosystem thrive, that it be a positive force and that it it grows positively. And I think part of, you know, if you're a gardener and you want a garden to grow, you have to prune the weeds. You have to sort of, you know, ensure that you are paying attention to the things that are going to choke out the life of that ecosystem. And so that's a responsibility that we bear. If there is an additional evolution for TechCabal this year, I think it is that we want to get a lot closer to the ecosystem. We've always, I mean, we have relationships, we're well-known and we know the players, so that's never changed. But I think this year, we also want to get a lot closer to the suddenly very big, very important companies and tighten our relationships and the sort of conversations that we have with them so that there was a time when you had easy access to every C, every founder because, you know, they were on the streets. You could have a beer with them. Now you have founders who are in Silicon Valley half the time. They're in the UK. They're all across the continent because their businesses are no longer just in Yaba and Lagos or in Nairobi. They are continental-sized businesses. And so getting close to them is quite different than it was when we're all a beer away every weekend. And so for us, I think it's important that we maintain that proximity to the businesses so we have a deep understanding of what it is that they're doing and how they're doing it and why they're doing it. And that's a big thing that we want to focus on this year is getting back to that level of closeness and insight and understanding of what's happening inside of these businesses so that our reporting is as well informed as it can be. Yeah. And I think there's just more depth and insights that you're able to then feed back for the broader ecosystem. Absolutely. And just alongside that, you know, for, because we have a lot of founders that listen to the show, and I'm sure they'd be super excited to be like learning more about just the in-depth ways that African media works and how you guys think about things as you find and publish stories. What do you wish founders knew more about how to actually deal with the media? So I think the most critical elements are engaging with the media. And so, I mean, I think one of my least favorite things about the way most founders and businesses deal with the media is they ignore it. So, you know, the story's <laughs> coming out. I mean, you, you know, you don't like the, you don't like the cast of the story. And so you go mum. And what happens is you create a vacuum where the reporter can't get any sort of real details and then they'll get the details from whoever it is is feeding them information or whatever information it is that they found and they'll publish something that could have been a lot better informed could have been 
a lot deeper, could have had a lot more insight if you actually engaged with them. And so if there's anything I would wish to change, it's, it's that particular behavior. What else do people need to know in terms of how to engage with the media? It is paid to know who you should be dealing with. So a lot of people come to me and I run the business and I try to keep the lights on, but I'm not actually in the editorial flow. We have reporters, we have editors, we have a brilliant new editor-in-chief kind of running the business. And those are the people you really need to like get close to and familiar with. You need to know the reporter that's covering your beat. So this person seems to write about issues in my space all the time. Like if I've got a story, I should call that person. This is the managing editor or this is a senior editor within the business. If I've got an editorial concern, I should call and engage that person. And I think what's important about that is it gives you the opportunity to really shape your narrative. Our emails are online, you know, people are on LinkedIn, people are fairly easily accessible, and they're really keen to publish stuff that's deep, stuff that's well-resourced, uh, reported, stuff that will give real insight into how these companies work and how the ecosystem works. So they're willing to engage and I wish more founders and more people within sort of technology businesses would look for that engagement and would engage when we reach out to them. I think that'd be a really big step forward in the way we sort of do things. So I'm just asking founders to recognize, even though media's changed, the traditional push and pull of the publisher and the interviewee or the subject has not changed. It hasn't changed. In media. I, I do have to say, actually, and I, maybe to expand a little bit more on this, there is... A certain level of antagonism between tech and media, particularly in Silicon Valley. And I think some of that attitude has kind of seeped into the African tech ecosystem. And I don't think, one, it's earned in that some of that animosity in Silicon Valley or in America kind of derives from just different histories in terms of their engagement. And I don't think we necessarily have the same sort of history and path. And so we don't have to copy the same patterns. I also think, again, even there, you've seen sort of some of the undoing of the premises of that battle. So tech companies, you know, for the last few years have said, we're going to run our own media businesses. You know, we're going to go direct. Why do we need the press even? And so, you know, A16Z starts their own sort of media business and everyone is like, yeah, we're going to start our own imprint. And over time you find, you know, it's really hard to build trust when everybody knows that this is essentially a PR mouthpiece for your business. It's really hard to run a media business when you are actually in the business of moving money. When times get tough, the first thing you cut is, yeah, what are the things that we do that are not really fundamental to our business? And well, actually we shouldn't be running a media business because we're a financial technology company. And so over time, you find that there is a place for the media. There is an important role that the media plays. And whatever you think of the media, the public trust them more than they trust you to speak to them, uh, to be, they trust a financial business to be a media business. There is something to the independence of, well, you know, we'll cover everybody and we'll cover everything. And we don't have a stake in the outcomes beyond, like I said, our fundamental optimism and our fundamental desire for the tech ecosystem to succeed. So if we say someone's doing a bad thing, people are willing to listen to us, or if we say somebody's doing an amazing thing, or we say, here are the details about how this thing works, people are clear that, you know, fundamentally from an agenda perspective, we're still more neutral than that person coming out and saying, yeah, everything I do is amazing. Balance. Another word stuck out for me, you use the word trust. 
also credibility is linked to that. And within the VC ecosystem, investors go to ideas and concepts that they trust and they feel are credible. Yes. Which leads me to speak about your successful $2.3 million seed round. Yeah. What's the story you sold to investors? Media is hard. So we'd love to know what, what did you tell investors <laughs> about that? <laughs> we told them that we are building an incredibly important business that's going to grow very large because... There's a content continent where there's been a serious underinvestment in media and media technology over the last decade and beyond. And so there's a vast, vast audience of people coming online, looking for news, looking for content. And there are far too few media businesses serving those people. And we believe that we've already proven that we are one of the businesses that gets it, that can build valuable audiences, that can build valuable properties. And that we will be able to extend that growth dramatically over the next few years in ways that will be incredibly valuable for everybody who comes along with us, whether as investors, as employees, partners, etc. Mm. Yeah. Well, in a sense, you've kind of answered my next question. What top three tips would you give media entrepreneurs looking to emulate Big Cabal Media's success? So the very first thing is find your space. There are far too many Me Too's. And again, when I look at the African media landscape, I'm like, look, we could have 25 publications right now because there are 25 empty spaces where nobody's doing anything meaningful. So why are you starting you know, the 100th tech blog and making your logo look like ours and your website look like ours when there are all of these wide open spaces that people need to do really interesting and engaging things in? So the very first thing is find a space in which you can differentiate yourself and build something that's meaningful that an audience is going to care about. That's that's number one. Two, build a team that, that can execute. That requires, my favorite word, domain expertise. So you need people who understand the space in which you're working in and you know can figure out how to make money, can figure out how to deliver the product. It's media is hard. Media is hard. Figuring out monetization in media is incredibly difficult. Even delivering the volume of content that will make you dependable and interesting to an audience is incredibly hard. You know, Techabao publishes the TC Daily, you know, five days a week, every week. It's an incredible pace and it's gotta be interesting and engaging every single day. It's gotta have the freshest news every single day. That's it's just a task, you know, and then we're publishing, I don't know, the odd 30, 40 articles on our website on a weekly basis, maybe. That's Techabao, then we've got Zikoko doing the same thing. This video content, this social. So media is a, it's a large volume of content you need operationally, you need to be really on top of your game. So you got to build a team that can do that, build a team that can deliver. I think the third piece is that monetization piece. I should probably just amplify it again, which is figure out how you're going to make money really early. And um, it requires a ton of ingenuity. It's never straightforward or obvious. The ways we used to make money have become increasingly complicated and, and difficult. So if it's advertising, you're competing with, you know, Google and uh, Facebook or Meta for revenue. If it's subscriptions, you are dealing with a world in which you know you're competing with a hundred different subscriptions. Whether it's for streaming, whether it's for movies or podcasts, whatever it is, and you know a million news organizations. So figuring out monetization very early and being clear on how it is that you're going to build revenue and grow is really really critical. And I love what you said about just 
ensuring that you find your space and not replicating what you currently see. And I think Big Kapal obviously has focused on captivating the digital audience, which is why we found the collaboration with CNBC Africa interesting in your launch of the next wave. Um, what is your opinion on traditional media? Is that still a thing? And what is the idea behind sort of Tech Kapal going into television via CNBC? Yes, traditional media still matters. It's been surprisingly resilient and I think it will continue to be resilient for years to come. It will lessen in importance over time, but I think a really interesting about technology is you rarely have an immediate and complete replacement of anything by a new technology. There's usually a very long period in which they kind of run in parallel with one slowly declining and the other one kind of slowly gaining weight. And so I think traditional media continues to be really potent and important in a number of ways. For us, the opportunity with CNBC Africa was to expand our audiences. So we already speak to core technology audiences and core technologies live online. You know, they're, they're on Twitter, they're in their email every morning and happy to open your newsletters, etc. But there are audiences that technology affects who are not mm. as terminally online as we are. And to reach those people who very much matter to our ecosystem, we've got to expand the ways in which we can reach them. And so, uh, for instance, regulators, you know, as the tech industry becomes bigger and becomes more important on the continent, regulators are increasingly sort of turning their eyes to it. What is this thing that is disrupting the flow of money in our countries that is changing the way people transact or goods move in markets? And those regulators are not all as terminally online as we are. They're not, you know, living on Twitter the same way some of us do. And so, you know, they still pay attention to to traditional media. So we want to reach those people. There are people in business sectors that technology is affecting who, again, you know, spend more time with TV. And so those people are important for us to reach. There are investors who, you know, have a more traditional cast. But we believe technology will be the biggest driver of productivity on the continent over the next decade and beyond. And so we think technology will affect every business. And so we need to reach businesses which may not be in core technology, we need to reach manufacturers and people in agriculture and tell them the stories of how tech is changing their businesses, changing their worlds. And so we'll reach those people wherever they are. And they may not always be online. And so hence CNBC, which is an amazing partner and, you know, very, very well respected television channel. And so we're quite excited about the kind of people we've been able to reach, the kind of feedback that we've received from that show. Twitter only, and I say only in parentheses, has 300 million users worldwide, which, which isn't, if you think think about the yeah. big picture, is not. It's just not massive. Oh. It's not as big as, you know, like, as impactful as it is. It's really a small audience, you know. Mm. A highly informed one, we'd, we'd hope yeah. to, would hope to say. But I mean, I guess we, we're talking about being informed. To turn the media spotlight a little bit back onto Big Cabal Media, the, the experienced Tommy Davis, you recently published a Medium article outlining the rollercoaster history of Big Cabal Media from his perspective as an investor. He was pretty candid. What was the hardest thing for you to read from that piece? I don't know. I loved that piece. <laughs> um, Nothing. <laughs> is that the answer? Why, why did you love it then? What did you enjoy the most about it? Building is hard. And I really love, I, I like, I, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, I took over the business from two founders who had kind of had, you know, a rough time of it, but who had built something that was already valuable in and of itself. Over the last five years, I cannot believe I've been running this for five years. It, it, it's incredible to me that, one, it's taking as long to get where we are, but then it's also incredible to think, yeah, I've been at this and I've had the pleasure and pain of doing this for five years. So I think as a piece, it was an 
important view into the reality of building. And um, it's not all roses. I think that for investors, it is important to be reminded, you know, like great and successful things can come out of something that's not a linear process. Actually, that's not just a lesson for investors. That's definitely a lesson for founders. It's a lesson for people observing companies. And so every company goes through its rocky periods. Every company, you know, has its ups and downs. And the most tenacious of founders, the most tenacious of teams find their way through that and find success despite those challenges. And I think very often there is a thing where we write businesses off or we write people off relatively early. For instance, at the moment I came into the business, a number of people had decided, you know what? That was a great idea. It's not going anywhere. Moving on. And there definitely is some pleasure in being able to say five years later, we are bigger than we've ever been. We are bigger than you ever thought we might be. And there's so much road ahead of us, you know, to borrow the Amazon sort of coin. It's still day one for, for me. I tell everybody in the business, we've barely begun. This is still foundation level in terms of what it is that we're trying to do. And so I think that piece was an important reminder of the resilience it takes to build great things. And um, that's a valuable thing for people to know. And I think one of the, and you mentioned it earlier, one of the key sort of parameters to kind of obviously build the business that you've built to date has been the people that you've had, right? And, you know, yeah. we're quite intrigued the fact that Techapal has spawned its own sort of PayPal media of African media. You guys quite literally have a, created a Techapal. Your alums are all over the place doing incredible things. I know Muiwa was at Limited Finance, just recently rejoined the team. You have Osumarin, who's at Meta, David Akadele at Rest of World. So what would you say is the secret sauce that is basically empowering the next generation of impactful people that have interfaced with Tech Cabal or Big Cabal and are doing incredible things in African tech. I mean, you should come work for Big Cabal. Everybody should come work for Big Cabal. <laughs> <laughs> we give people an incredible amount of responsibility and freedom to do really hard work, to do really to face really interesting challenges. So people come into the business and you know, we give you a two-week onboarding nice and slow, get familiar with what it is that we're doing. And then we tell you, we set these incredibly ambitious targets and we say, here are your tools, have at it. And I think our goal is for people to do the most meaningful work of their careers while they are with us. And we work really hard to ensure that happens. There's a lot of freedom to experiment. There, we challenge everybody to punch above their weight and we give them the support. Like we trust our people to go out there and do amazing work. And so I think that freedom, that level of ambition is inspiring for people and they carry it on when they go. So people leave the business and fundamentally they've become more ambitious people in terms of what they hope to accomplish for themselves or in any business that they go to. They've gotten used to working at a very intense pace for sustained periods and they've learned you know, that they have the freedom to change things. They have the freedom to make things happen. I think those are incredible tools for anyone who wants to go on to build. And so, yeah, I think we have an incredible alumni network of people who've gone on to do very, very interesting things. The other thing I'm really proud of these days is people come back. Like you said, Muiwa just joined us. He's a news editor within the TechAball team, but, you know, we've also had our editorial director was at Paystack for a while and she just joined us again. And 
I'm proud of that because it says that even when people leave, they recognize that this is a business that's still growing. This is a business that is still going places. And it's a place where we will always respect your work and your contributions. And we'll be happy to have you back, you know, to do more great work with us, even if you've gone out and, and learned a lot and grown dramatically yourself. Mm. And uh, you bring it back that institutional knowledge, yes. which in, in a sense, you can't cost. Uh, and whoever's in charge of running talent at Big Cabal Media, if they weren't busy already, I assume they are, it's going to get worse <laughs> once, once, once they hear this. To be aware, look, we've run out of time. I just want to thank you so much for joining us on today's show and sharing your insights with us. It's been an absolute pleasure listening yeah, to it's you. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you so much to all our listeners for joining us too. We'll close this off by asking you, what does the tech ecosystem media need to cover more, report on more in 2023? We obviously have the big boss listening to this, so then it will be quite insightful to just hear from everyone in terms of what do you believe we need to actually start doing more of in terms of our African media. Send your memos, memos to hello at africanpreseed.com and we'll be sure to pass your memos over to Tamiwa and the team at Tech Cabal. Please remember to also share your thoughts with us on social media using the hashtag African Pre-Seed Podcast. But that's it for now. Catch you on the next one. Cheers, everyone.